Welcome to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Village. This is Jesus Marie Ramos. And guys, this is season two. Yeah! I'm here with my ladies, like always, Kira Kelly. Good morning. And Kristen Scroggins. Hi, ladies. And we are doing part one and part two of Racing Healthy Kids. And who do we have with us, Kristen? Oh, I'm so excited to start this season off with one of our favorite, favorite people of all time. Mm -hmm. And we have Sydney Mee with us, who, as most of you already know, is our... A resident nurse a <laughs> practitioner. She's a family nurse practitioner, and she is from Mahoney Pediatrics, where all three of us take all of our children. So, I mean, we're giving Mahoney Pediatrics some biz yeah. right here. <laughs> just, you. just from our three. She's the, yeah. fa- she's the famous ask me of social media. <laughs> she's wonderful, and she's she has given already such great advice through through the social media segment, and I love that. We had her last season talking mm-hmm. about newborns, babies, toddlers, and those kind of things. But, Sydney, we wanted to have you back today because nutrition and health is, I'm sure, some of the biggest questions that you get asked. And really what we know is that that plays a factor in so many things through mental health, you know, the way we feel about ourselves, the energy that we have to do the things we need to do. And honestly, God talks to us in his word about our bodies and about taking care of ourselves. And, you know, that was a big part in the Old Testament when yeah. he was laying out the law for his his people, the children of Israel. He had big time dietary laws. And we're not slave to those laws as salvation's concerned, but God made our bodies and he knows the best way for our bodies to function. And so we're wise to make nutrition and these issues a big deal because our bodies need to be able to do what we need them to do. So with that being said, let's just jump right in. Tell me what your recommended guidelines are as far as nutrition goes for babies and toddlers. Okay. So first, I want to start off by explaining the growth curve because I'm going to refer to that a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think... You know, when you come in for your well checks, yeah, we get those papers a lot. You get the papers. <laughs> explain the papers. I'll explain it. So there's a lot of things to cover in those visits, and unfortunately, there's just not a lot of time to delve into nutrition. So when you're looking at a growth curve, what it is is it is where your child falls in line for their sex and age compared to a hundred other children. So if your child is the 50th percentile for weight, that means of 100 boys, his exact age, he's right in the middle, right? And so where this is important is not that your child is right in the middle, like you get an A+. It's that (laughs) whatever they're created to be, maybe they're the 99th percentile in height. It's that your children are following along on their growth curve. 
Okay, so we want to know from visit to visit, are they kind of growing in line or are they having huge jumps either up or down? Because that can indicate certain things. And then, you know, we'll go over that. So that's the growth curve. And that's from the time that they're born until they're adults. So for recommended guidelines for babies, their predominant source of nutrition is going to be milk, either breast, formula, or a combination for the first six months. And this is why we have these frequent visits, because we want to make sure that they're growing adequately, right? There's huge development both in how big they're getting, but also in their brain development. And nutrition is key for that. So we want to be catching something early, you know, so every two months, like that's important. If there's, if they're not getting enough calories, we want to make sure that we're intervening soon. Starting solids, that is kind of varied. So it's anywhere between four to six months. Most guidelines, like the American Academy of Pediatrics is going to say something around six months. The guidelines kind of change year to year. So I think a lot of pediatricians will recommend around four months, but it, it depends on some things like... Is your child's gross motor um, developed enough that, that they can hold themselves up to eat? Mm-hmm. Are they interested? And how would you know they're interested? If they're seeing you eat and they're kind of lunging for it or <laughs> reaching for it, I mean, it happens pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So that's something right around four to six months. And what you want to remember is your goal should be to offer at least 100 foods before they're a year old. We want to have wow. a wide variety of things because when they become toddlers, if you've had a toddler, you know they get really mm-hmm. restrictive. So we want to expand their palate as, as much as possible. Oh, my word. A hundred. Did you do that? I was like, I failed. (laughs) I don't know if I kept track. I need to do over. My daughter-in-laws are doing it. I'm so (laughs) impressed with how they're they're smarter than I was. (laughs) So if you are exclusively breastfeeding your baby, one thing I want you to keep in mind is when you're initiating solids, you want to try to choose foods that are higher in iron because iron is not as bioavailable in breast milk as it is in formulas. So, Do you have any example of those foods? Iron-fortified cereals, pureed meats, green leafy vegetables, beans. So that's a good thing to shoot for. Okay. Now, with toddlers, we know that they get more restrictive, right? And you don't want to make mealtime a battlefield, mm-hmm. and you just, just relax about it. They they want to be in their carboholics. So try to focus on foods higher in fiber so that you can combat the constipation that comes with kids who only <laughs> want to eat crackers. Or Cheerios. Or Cheerios, right. <laughs> and and remember, they're a little bit like camels. So you're going to have days where they're like ravenous and they want to eat all the time. And then you're going to have days where they're just not going to eat. Don't get stressed. Don't get sucked into that. And then just get so anxious that you're giving them food at all times, right? Because you want to focus on consistent meal times and schedules. So three meals a day with two snacks, because if they know whenever they want, they can graze, Mm -hmm. that's their preferred method of eating. And basically what that does is that leads to snacking. And (laughs) snacking is not typically nutritious foods. Can I share an idea really quick? So I do have a toddler and for moms that are listening. So I found out that at least for, I have four kids and for my four kids and when they were toddlers, the best way for me to give them veggies was juicing. So I was just do a lot of juicing and smoothies. Mm-hmm. And since it's in a fun cup that they don't see mm-hmm. with the lid and a straw, I put a lot of um, fruits on top of it. Mm-hmm. But they love my green juice just because it's a juice and it's a smoothie and it's cold. And that's how I get them their vegetables. Because if I put a broccoli, they will spit it out. Mm-hmm. Chris, but I'm if still, I blend I like it. I'm failing again. Did you juice? Girl, wait, little Debbies. Don't talk to me. <laughs> hey, okay. Let me pause right here and say, listen, moms, like... 
what you've done or what you're doing, there's no judgment here. I mean, I'm presenting this information, but just know that there are many days where my kids are getting mac and cheese for dinner. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because in pizza. In pizza. And we fall off the snack wagon often. But it's the idea of of kind of having, you know, a, a broader goal that we're gonna hit a certain mm-hmm. percentage of the time. And yeah. and that's what this is. So this is not about guilt or shame. And actually there's no gold medal if your kids only eat green juice or whatever. I mean, right? right? It's all about balance. So one other thing about toddlers is the milk game. Be really mindful if they're milkaholics that they're not filling up on that because that's another thing that we see. They want to drink milk all day, and then when it comes time to eating meals, they're not going to go for it. So if that's the case with your kid, you would probably want to just limit milk during mealtime so that they're not so full. Milkaholics. I'm sorry. I thought that was funny. (laughs) Yeah. Now, for school-age kids, this is the age where you want to start to have discussions with them with food and, you know, what it does for their body. And you can talk about proteins and how that helps build muscles and gives us sustained energy and how vegetables and fruit are so colorful and colorful foods are full of micronutrients, which makes us have really healthy cells and bodies. And, you know, kids are little scientists and we want to give them knowledge because it kind of fills them up and makes them excited about. So you said about colors. I've seen, sorry to interrupt you. I've seen that um, a lot of you know, people share information about base everything about colors. Mm-hmm. So can you explain a little bit? So the brighter the color, the more colorful, like, how does that work? I probably can't get as detailed as like a nutritionist can, but I can tell you in general, it beige food is probably not good food. <laughs> how about that, right? The food okay, we like to eat. <laughs> the food we like to eat. So, you Kira know. Kira and I just need to hang our mics up. I and know, we're just on. like taking it all in. So micronutrients are going to come from fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And, and it's fun even like, you know, as your kids are learning about colors to see, did we hit all the colors today? And it might give you a little bit more buy-in and pushing mm-hmm. your broccoli. But, you know, kids are kids. <laughs> For school-age kids, in addition to kind of explaining how how food works. We want to focus on hydration, making sure they're drinking lots of water. It's not uncommon at this age for kids to not be big meat eaters. That's not a problem. Don't stress about that. There's protein in eggs and beans and milk and legumes, which are like peanuts. And then remember that if your children are in school, this is the time where they're going to be having access to food that's not offered at home. And a lot of times these foods are higher Mm. in sugar. So, you know, this is another reason why having frequent physicals and and seeing where they are on the growth curve can kind of help us catch things earlier on. One other thing I want to mention as far as like something that you might see in early childhood that we want to pick up on is restrictive eating. So there's there's picky kids, right? But then there's restrictive eating. And that's when a child will only eat like three or four things. Not that they prefer to, but like will well, only mm-hmm. eat. Yeah. So sometimes I have parents who will say, my ch- my child will only eat plain pasta, goldfish, plain cereal, and chicken nuggets. That is it. We cannot get anything else in them. Don't wait on that. Don't think that they're going to outgrow that. A lot of times we'll refer to feeding therapists. Um, that that just gets worse as they get older. So if your child is restrictive like that, that is a, a medical issue. So, Sydney, you, you told us a lot of specific foods that we probably need to get into our children um, early on. But can you give us a little more advice about portion size and serving size according to their ages yeah. and as they grow? 
Yeah. So, I mean, if you want specific calories, that's, I mean, that's broken down by age and that's pretty easy to find on um, healthychildren.org. That's put on by the American Academy of Pediatrics. But for portion size, a good rule of thumb is you look at the child's hand and a palm size amount of protein, a handful of fruit and a handful of veggies. And, mm. and that's what we're looking for as far as serving size. I'm sorry. Can you say that again? A palm full of protein. Mm-hmm. Your, your kid's palm. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. A handful of fruit <laughs> and a handful mom, of okay. veggies. Right. Not okay. our sizes. Okay. So confession time. The other day I was looking at a picture um, of my youngest Malachi, and he's going to die when he hears this. But there's a picture of him sitting on the floor with a TV tray, and he's eating a double cheeseburger mm. at like a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and I was scolded the other day. He was like, how would you let me eat a du-? I mean, he didn't eat the whole double cheeseburger, yeah. but everyone else was getting double cheeseburgers, which probably right. was not a good thing either. <laughs> right. hey. And he's like, how did you let me do that? So please, mom, don't follow behind me. Listen feel, to listen, listen to Sydney. My me. kids, my kids <laughs> eat che- double cheeseburgers on occasion and they love it. They're so happy about that. So just real quick, Sydney, that that's in my mind, a very doable mm-hmm. thing, which you just said, like, I'm looking at my hand, my hand's not that big, but a toddler's hand's super teeny. Right. So mm-hmm. it's not like they need just tons and tons. No. So they don't. And and the other thing is, is kids do get overwhelmed if there's too much on their plate. Mm-hmm. So it's better to do a, a small serving small and portion. they can have more. And okay. at young children, unless, you know, there's certain genetic conditions, but most young children are not going to overeat. They mm-hmm. listen to their bodies and they're going to stop when they're full. So trust them on that. So you said uh, um, there's certain conditions. So when it comes to like allergies, you know, there's some kids that they have food allergies or they're intolerant to a lot of things. And and we want to be specific only if it's medically diagnosed, you know, because our society sometimes like poor kids like, oh, they're like lactose intolerant or whatever, or they don't give them gluten, but they haven't been diagnosed. So can you elaborate more into that area? Like when it's good to introduce nuts or all that stuff? Yeah. So there's actually for introducing foods that are um, allergic type foods. uh, One of my colleagues, Dr. Belusoff, she has a YouTube series and she's very like it's detailed per thing, how to do it. I would really encourage any moms with babies to watch it. Yeah, what, um, what is it called again? Friendly Kid Doc. Okay. Um, so so that's kind of how to do that. As far as um, food intolerances like dairy, a lot of kids may have a dairy intolerance when they're young, like, you know, two months, four months, but they mostly outgrow it. And so I would encourage you in those cases to... Con- how, do, how, will, how will a mom know that they have that intolerance? Like... What, what are the signs, you know, just in case there's a young mom and she's like, how do I know? And my baby is intolerant to my yeah. milk or... Yeah, usually they're really, really fussy. It's like colic. And okay. what we do is we ask you to bring in a dirty diaper and we can test it for blood in the stool. But again, that this is something that by and large they outgrow. If you're going to continue to do plant-based alternatives... I would say that soy has the closest profile to milk, but that's not actually something I generally recommend because soy is constipating and it has Mm -hmm. estrogen qualities, which, you know, I don't really love the idea of giving exogenous estrogen to a developing child. If you're going to do something like almond milk, just make sure that it's not a flavored one because that has added sugar and you want to make sure that these are fortified with vitamin D because if not, you probably want to supplement with that. And as far as introducing nuts, which you asked about, you can do a very small 
amount around six months of age. And again, I would watch Dr. Belusoff's video on Friendly Kid Doc. But the only exception would be is if your child has really, really severe eczema, then you're going to want to get clearance before you do that because that can indicate that they may have significant food allergies. Can I ask a question related to Mm -hmm. that? So you said... Just because they're intolerant at one point doesn't mean no. so you don't want to just ban them no. for life. And actually what I would say on that is most immunologists and pediatric allergists would say that even if a child has milk protein intolerance, they do not recommend that moms eliminate it from their diet and breast milk because having these small exposures through breast milk kind of helps the child. Now, to be devil's advocate with that, practicing in pediatrics, I find that if you have a colicky child and eliminating dairy is going to bring them some discomfort, I kind of struggle to tell a mom like not yeah, to do that. Yeah. But I mean, that's the data. So the data is that it's it's okay. okay. And it's actually going to be these small exposures is going to be better for them mm-hmm. in the long run. My question would be just thinking about when I was a young mom and kind of feeling paralyzed about some of this stuff. So you said you can reintroduce it. How mm-hmm. am I going to know if I have a baby who I feel like is intolerant, how do I know when it's okay to try to reintroduce something? It depends. So it depends on, you know, how the child was. I would say I'd ask your pediatrician that. One of my kids had something called F-Pies where she would get like violently ill and continually vomit from dairy. Now that child is a huge cheese eater now. She's two. (laughs) So, you know, as they get a little bit older, you can try to offer those things in really small amounts and just watch them and know that, you know, they could kind of have an upset stomach for that day, and you just so need to back I off. had um, I had a daughter that when she was one and a half, I gave her a piece of pecan, and she literally almost her throat closed, mm. like she had a huge reaction, like almost mm-hmm. borderline. I had to go to the hospital. So, and I took her, and the Mahoney told me just get it tested, and then she was allergic to tree nuts. So when it got to that level, and I had to carry an EpiPen with me all the time. So when I ha- got, got to that level, I'm like, okay, so this is serious. So it's mm-hmm. not that she's intolerant. She literally, it can cost her life. But later on, she told me, she's like, hey, by the time she's five, let's try to test her again, mm-hmm. because usually they'd outgrow it. And absolutely, she's fine now, thanks mm-hmm. to God, you know, and she outgrew it. She's happy eating Nutella and all the nuts and everything. <laughs> but it's just an encouragement to you, mom. Like, just don't just stay there thinking that they will never outgrow it. Just seek, you know, information from your pediatrician and, you know, and they can outgrow it and you don't have to ban them from all those yummy treats. Well, forever. and I just want to reiterate to talk to your pediatrician. Yeah. So, so somehow with, with the internet now, we're all like <laughs> medical experts yeah. and we're actually experts about everything, yeah, we, but, we, but we, let's we, not talk about that today. <laughs> we Google and research two pages and we know. Well, but but for instance, like my daughter-in-law, her, her, her my grandson is allergic to dairy, but, but it's an intolerance, mm-hmm. you know, it's, and so her pediatrician and even uh, Dr. Mahoney suggested that she do eliminate it mm-hmm. because it was more severe, but see, she wouldn't know that if she, you know, because some people say do, some people say don't. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's my point is you got to have a pediatrician that you trust and then do what they say. Right. Well, I think what we need to remember as parents, this is not just like medically, but in anything is you can't paint everything with broad strokes, right? We're all created unique and we're all different. And sometimes, you know, we try to follow guidelines and we try to do best practice, but you've got to look 
me. I have to look at a patient as a whole and yes. and put mm-hmm. all the pieces together. And maybe the advice is going to be a little bit different from kid to kid. And that's okay. And that's why we want to be really careful about getting advice, like you said, from the internet or from a friend. It's good to kind of collect information. But, you know, when it's your kid, you want to make sure that, you know, we're not just doing experimental stuff. Sure. So Sydney, we've talked about the types of foods that we need to introduce, the portion size. So could you give us a little insight as moms and dads about what we need to be looking for in our children as far as weight gain and the stage of growth development that they're in? Yeah. So we talked about the growth curve and that's why these frequent checkups are important. One thing I want to point out, like I was mentioning earlier, if they have a big jump up or a big jump down, sometimes that can be the first indication that there might be an underlying medical issue going on or even a psychiatric issue. So kids are similar to adults where if they have emotional stress, you know, they could lose weight or they can gain weight. And I've seen oftentimes in a well visit, just by looking at a growth curve and seeing a drastic change, this might be the first indication to parents that something Mm -hmm. is going on with their kid. And that could be anything from just stress in the home, stress at school, or even abuse that they didn't know about. So this is this is very important. The other thing is, you know, we want to look at us as adults. How are we modeling good behavior for our kids? Because they're learning from us. So, you know, are we eating healthy? What are they seeing us eating? Are we exercising? This is a great thing to do as a family, playing outside, playing soccer, going for bike rides, you know, moving our bodies. Family mealtimes are huge because it teaches our kids how to have these good habits. And also it's a way to connect. So, you know, if you have a child at home who might be struggling with weight, I really want to encourage you to make sure that you're making changes as a full family because it's not fair for that kid to see a bunch of snacks that everybody else is allowed to eat and not them. It makes them feel bad about themselves. So if you're concerned about your child's weight, we want to say we're going to make healthy choices as a family as a whole and make sure it's across the board. We need to be aware that the prevalence of obesity in this country is about 19% in kids, and it affects 14 million children. And then the last three decades, it's doubled in kids and tripled in adolescents. So what that means is... The nutrition has changed and what we did as kids or what our parents did as kids is not the same. Mm -hmm. And that really, I think, has to do with the content of foods. I want to add here that sometimes we see if we have some struggling weight issues and we're blessed that we have grandparents really involved in our kids' lives. Parents need to look at, like, what are the cultural impacts of these grandparents? Mm-hmm. Like, what do they believe or know about nutrition? Because mm-hmm. sometimes there can be the catalyst for weight gain where they're pushing a lot of high-calorie foods. And it can just be that they maybe don't understand if they came from a different country, like how nutrition differs and mm-hmm. food availability and, and in, in our processed foods that we eat. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to either bring out the printed growth curve and explain it to them so that they can see or bring them to the the office visits so that they can get some education. When you're talking about or wanting to implement weight loss in your kids, there's studies that show if you intervene before their adolescence, you're going to have more success in weight management than waiting. Because some parents think like, oh, they're going to go through these huge growth spurts and they're going to thin out. Well, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I'm going to say is you want to have your kids buy in. So have them 
help you decide like, how are we going to change the menu or go shopping together? You know, give them ownership and empower them to make these healthy choices. And let me ask you for moms that, um, I just, I, I don't want you to put you out there, mom, but for those moms that have babies, and sometimes I have friends that have bought this weights, um, what is it called? The scales for babies. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, how can we encourage moms to just Calm down, like calm down in that area. Like you don't have to like weigh your baby every oh, single no. day. No, no, that's crazy. <laughs> I, I think that that's like, it's stressful enough to be a, to be a new mom and, and have a new baby. Unless your pediatrician is worried about your child's weight, please don't do that. I mean, you've got so much you have to focus on a new mom, especially if you're breastfeeding. You need to be making sure that you're getting enough nutrition and rest so that you can have good production for your kid. Even if, if you're formula feeding or bottle feeding, like- if you're bringing your child to um, their scheduled visits, we're going to pick up on something, mm-hmm. and you need to just focus on you know taking care of yourself and that kid and not and doing when, weight. When checks. is in a concern? Like because sometimes that um, people have, you know, they have little tiny babies, but because they're naturally mm-hmm. people that are not really tall yeah. or they have really massive babies because I mean their nature and their genes are really tall. So when is it a concern that you like? Oh, if you see that your baby is getting to this point, that's like underweight. If if it's getting to this point, it's overweight. So you might be referring to something called failure to thrive. And again, Mm -hmm. this is what we're looking at on the growth curve. So we can have a newborn that comes out and they're maybe the fifth percentile for weight. And every time we see them, they're gaining weight, but they're marching along on the fifth percentile. That's okay, right? Mm -hmm. We just don't want to see them drop down off of that. And at that point, you know, we're going to be doing frequent visits to make sure that we're we're feeding correctly because what you have to remember is 20% of your nutritional intake goes towards fueling your brain, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a lot for such a small organ. And so if a child is being malnourished, um, it's going to affect their brain development. Mm, and wow. I can say, you know, where I get concerned is sometimes, you know, moms are very, very committed to one type of feeding and it can be to the detriment of their child, which is like, obviously the goal is to support what you want to do for your family. But the bottom line is that we have a healthy, thriving, growing child yeah. because we don't want to have any adverse effects of decreased nutrition. So that's why those visits are important. So that's what that's a good encouragement because you guys want that baby just to be healthy and then oh yeah. Sometimes moms we just you know, we just focus on the fact that we're tired or this is easier or as a faster way to but this baby is growing, their brain is developing and um yeah. So can I can I just ask so just say one thing a shout out if we have any grandmas of young grandchildren that I just want to encourage you and I'm encouraging myself Things change, right? Mm -hmm. So the things that I was told whenever I had a newborn baby the first time, which was 25 years ago, is not exactly (laughs) what they're telling these young moms anymore. But that's because medicine and science advances and we learn more about Mm -hmm. things. And so I just want to encourage people in my demographic (laughs) to come alongside your daughter-in-law or your daughter and encourage them in what their pediatrician is telling them in this moment. Because mm-hmm. a quarter of a century ago, we <laughs> I had my first child, and it's just different now. And so my job as a grandparent is to come alongside them and champion whatever they're doing, yeah. and they're doing great. And so, yeah, we have to have an open mind about this stuff and trust Yeah, there were other bottles, and you're not trying to educate them in your... No. Or you're not trying to sneak them snacks? Girl, be quiet. <laughs> 
<laughs> so Sydney said every once in a while. Every once in a while. And, and you know what? Our the grandparents in my house are. I think part of the reason they're the favorites is because they're the they're the treat suppliers. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, you're right. Thank you for saying that. Um, I think what people in in medicine in general is it's like you know one thing is said and then something new comes out and there's this mistrust. Well. Because there's people that spend their whole life researching and trying to find the next best thing. And when we get that information, it's it's such a gift that we're learning more and more every day about our bodies. There's still so much about our bodies that we don't know that's God's mystery. And it's so incredible when we learn more so we can do better for ourselves and for our kids. And you're right that it changes all the time. I want to leave you with a couple tips. Um, yes, please. Creative tips. Um I, if you have a picky eater, please remember that sometimes it takes 10 to 15 exposures to a food before a child will accept oh, it. So they're not one and done with broccoli, okay? <laughs> over <laughs> and over and over again. Letting them help you cook, right? So I know now there are times where I am not interested in that activity. <laughs> but if I do have the time, especially if it's something where I know they're going to be more averse to, it's like they get excited about the thing that they made and they're going to be more likely to eat it. Using fun different plates or little cups or you don't have to do this at every meal, but just making it, letting them actually play with their food might make them more likely to consume the veggies and that kind of thing. Can I ask make a quick question there? And this may be a no-no. Adding condiments to yeah, the great. side. I don't care. Do condiments. Okay. <laughs> with toddlers. I'm whatever like ranch goes with everything. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, because eventually as Catch they up. get older... They're going to be better about making those healthy choices, but this is going to allow them to do those things. And then one other thing is when you're having mealtime, you know, you don't want to talk so much about eating. Rather, you want to just talk about other things because Mm -hmm. when we're distracted about other things and we're talking about each other in our days, it's not going to become a a mealtime battleground. I love it. Back to the 10 to 15 times, Jimmy's mom had a great phrase that she would say with her children and they'd say, I don't like this. And she would say, I just want you to take a few bites because today Mm -hmm. might be the day (laughs) that you love it. And do you know, I've used that with my kids and actually it does work, not with everything, but, but, you know, eventually they do. Their taste buds become different. And then today's the day. I like chili or today. So there you go, mom. Today's the day. Oh, my God. So much great information, right, ladies? So much great information. Sydney, thank you so much for all this great information. But um, stay tuned, mom, because we still have part two. And we haven't forgot about the teens and older ones. So we'll talk about those teen and older ones in part two. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, We're going to sign off and stay tuned for part two. Ready, ladies? One, two, three. Bye. Bye.